Welcome everybody to the second episode of T's Formula One podcast. Welcome from wherever you're listening. This is going to be the Austria Grand Prix review. So let's get into it. We had uh, quite a race yesterday at the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, the result of the of the race was in uh, number one. That was Verstappen in the Red Bull. Number two, we had Valtteri Bottas coming in for Mercedes. And uh, number three, we had Lando Norris for McLaren rounding up the top three. Uh, we had Lewis Hamilton, um, who came in fourth for Mercedes, which was uh, a good result. And let's get started. Uh, well, the first place, obviously, to start is... We had that incredible run with Max where he has three wins in a row now. Um, throughout the race, him and his car, um, the Red Bull car, seemed to be untroubled, unbothered, and with no stress at all. Um, he had a great race from the front. There was uh, an incident on lap four in which he had to restart again because he was already... Uh, Verstappen was already starting to pull up a big gap. And uh, after that incident, that was with Ocon's Alpine, who, by the way, we just have to mention at this point, um, ever since he's signed his long-term contract, that is Ocon with Alpine for three years, that was announced right before the French GP. Uh, Ocon has just had... Um, you can't say it any other way, a miserable uh, run of luck. He has had an absolutely horrible last three races, uh, which is pretty crazy when you think, you know, you just bagged a long-term contract. Your mind now can concentrate on races because you have security now, which a lot of Formula One drivers don't have because they're usually on a yearly contract. And uh, for the first time in his career, Ocon was given a three-year contract, and for some odd reason, after that point, um, he's just had a miserable run. So because he was involved in a crash, there was a safety car. But needless to say, even after the restart, uh, Max and that vehicle uh, have just been really, like I said in the last podcast, in imperious form. So he started building the lead. Uh, there was nobody that can pretty much... Uh, close in to give him any trouble as far as pace. Such was the Red Bull's pace over this weekend. Uh, the scary part for the competition, especially for Mercedes, is when you look at the lap times that Verstappen did in the race, and that is on all tires. So we're including the medium tire, the soft tire. Um, they have, in some very surprising way, they being Red Bull, have actually found more pace uh, from last week to this week. That's in seven days. Now, in F1 terms, you know, when you have a week turnaround, that usually is, does not allow you to bring new parts to the car or to bring upgrades because that's such a short period of time. Um, you have to think, you know, from the factory, if you get a new part, usually they do that um, when they have a two or three week gap. But um, the vehicle actually seems to have even improved from last week. And, and that's a scary thought for the competition, especially Mercedes. So 
that was one of the biggest observations from this weekend. It's not that we didn't expect Red Bull to have Red Bull and Max to have a strong race because they had a very strong race just last week. We're on the same track. We all expected that. I think what's surprising is the fact that they have seemed to somehow improve even on last week's run. Um, the other major observation for this weekend is you have to look at uh, Lando and McLaren. Um, even though he came in third uh, for this race, uh, McLaren's performance and Lando's, as described by Valtteri Bottas after the race uh, during the press conference, they really took everybody by surprise as far as how strong their pace is. Um, I did mention in the last podcast that Lando is basically having the season of his young career, the season of his life. He has been in fantastic form. He's the only driver to score points in every race. But as if that was not enough uh, to see the pace that he had, um, he was troubling the Mercedes. He was pressuring uh, the Red Bull of Perez. And when we say that, we really have to talk about the fight um, that he had with Perez in the early parts of the race, which actually resulted in him getting a five-second penalty. Now, you know, watching the race in most people's eye, they did think that the steward's penalty of five seconds was a little bit too harsh. If you actually watch replays of the actual incident, which I did, um, the more and more you sit with it and think about it, I can definitely see um, the reason why he was given the five-second penalty just by the letter of the law from the FIA. Uh, there was no space given to Perez's Red Bull. Uh, that would be one side to think about it. But the other side of the coin was, as Lando himself said, you know, when Perez tried to take the corner and he was side by side, you know, Lando was maybe fractionally ahead. And so Perez, instead of making the rational judgment, you know, to wait another corner to give it a go, he jeopardized and, you know, in some people's eyes got greedy and, and went for a space that one can argue wasn't there. And so he went into the gravel. Um, he got pushed off the road. Um, ironically, you know, after trying that move, then Perez did that same maneuver of throwing somebody off the road to Charles Leclerc of Ferrari uh, down down the line in the race. So it was a very weak and um, unbecoming race for Perez. Uh, he really uh, basically... Uh, messed up Red Bull's strategy because very early on he lost quite a bit of positions and was relegated to P8, even P9. Um, as far as penalties, we have to keep in mind that, you know, Perez, there was a total of nine penalties issued in this race. I'll repeat that. There was a total of nine penalties issued in this Austrian Grand Prix. That's a lot. Now, six of them were issued during the race. Three of them were actually issued after the race because there was quite a few drivers that were summoned uh, to the FIA stewards after the race. It was about six or seven drivers, believe it or not. It may have been eight, but um, six or seven drivers that were called to the stewards' office. Um, it's very rare that you would have that many drivers 
that were involved in some type of infraction um, throughout the race. So, but that, yeah, as I said, that's a total of nine penalties, um, six in the race, three afterwards. Of all those, Perez um, had a, you know, just a miserable day and he actually received three of those penalties out of the nine, just three by himself. So that is going to cost him uh, some points on his super license anytime you get a penalty. So uh, Perez did not have a good day. Now, speaking of Perez, his counterpart in Mercedes, which is Valtteri Bottas, he was an exact opposite contrast of Perez. Uh, Valtteri Bottas for Mercedes actually had his best race of the season. Um, When he was fighting in the race, you know, there was a point where he was doing better times than Lewis Hamilton in Mercedes. And uh, they were running second and third. uh, Lando Norris from behind from McLaren was actually coming up in a very rapid pace. And you can see that Lewis Hamilton's pace was not in the timing sectors as fast as Valtteri Bottas. And what the team found out just looking at telemetry um, in, you know, back in base and um, on their timing screens was that Lewis Lewis Hamilton actually had some damage uh, on the underbody of that Mercedes. And more than likely that was caused by running over the rough curbs in turn 10. And so, you know, if you watched F1 for any amount of time, one thing you understand is uh, the Austria Grand Prix is always, always uh, quite a big challenge for these F1 cars because the curbs they have there are very damaging. They are, um, you know, the size of them is is bigger than, you know, most tracks that F1 cars go you know, and race. So anytime, you know, they're taking those corners and speed, which these F1 drivers have to do, they have to maximize every inch of the track. Um, Sometimes when you take the curbs and when you take the turns, you're going to run wide. And that's exactly what Lewis Hamilton did quite a few times. They actually played a slow-mo of that point in turn 10 when he was riding over the curb. And you can just see basically how sharp those curbs are. Um, what that did was damage the underside, uh, the, the back tray of the aerodynamic uh, setup and the, the aerodynamic, you know, kind of the metal plates that are back there in the Mercedes. And that was costing uh, Hamilton big time. In fact, after the race, the team, um, the team responded that timing wise, that damage to the underside aerodynamically was costing Hamilton at least 0.5 seconds a lap. Now, in F1 terms, you know, you may listen to 0.5 and think, well, that's not necessarily a big margin, is it? Well, in F1, 0.5 is a very, very considerable uh, time lag. So it was costing Hamilton a lot, and Mercedes had to do some quick thinking because Valtteri Bottas was approaching Hamilton, um, in a fast way. So what they did was they, they told him to hold station and not race uh, Hamilton uh, just so that they can look at the timing information and screens. As soon as they found out that, you know, Hamilton's pace is not going to be able to be the same as Valtteri's pace because of the damage to the vehicle, they went ahead and 
you know, let Valtteri pass Hamilton um, on track so that they do not lose to Lando Norris, who, like I said, it was was closing from the back of those cars. He was approaching like a cruise missile uh, missile that Lando Norris just had incredible pace in that McLaren. So they went ahead and did that switch. And for people watching at home, like I said, for those of us that are watching at that point, we weren't exactly sure what was going on with Lewis Hamilton's car because you can just see that, it. you know, we know how prolific Hamilton is, um, you know, with that Mercedes. But you can kind of tell you weren't exactly sure what the issue was, but you can tell he was hampered. Uh, there was an issue. So. Um, it was the correct move by Mercedes to make uh, because Valtteri Bottas was able to man- to maintain his second position. And, of course, Lando Norris, because of the pace that he had, ended up overtaking Lewis Hamilton to take that third position. And, of course, for the constructors, ba- for the constructors battle, um, that was a little bit of a blow to Mercedes because they expected at least to get a second and third. Um, as it was, they ended up just getting second and fourth, which is still damage limitation. Um, they did bring in quite a bit of constructor points, but you just have to tip your cap off to Lando Norris, who's been driving just tremendous, and um, his his form is just has been a plus all season long. So, yep, the observations with Lando, just Valtteri Bottas finally having a decent race this year. This was his best race, like I said. And so Mercedes did make the right call. Um, The other notable thing for those of us that have watched the races, and I alluded to this earlier, is just the sheer number of penalties uh, that we had in this race. And so you know, like I said, Perez was at the at the end of getting you know three different penalties out of the total of nine. Um, there was quite a few penalties that were issued out to drivers, um, and most of those are very understandable. The FIA director uh, Massey did you know speak after the race because there was some criticism from different corners of F one that. There was too many penalties, and they may have been par- uh, they may have been harsh. And I get that. I get that point of view. I'm sure some of us think that way. My main my main thought process on that is I just want the penalties to be consistent. That's the thing. I we all understand the need for penalties. They are very necessary. I understand when you push somebody off the track, off the road, there needs to be precedent set because you certainly don't want unsafe races but with that being said um, we just want to make sure from track to excuse me from track to track and race to race those penalties are assessed consistently and I think that is I, I would I would venture out and say that is what most of us would like so um, yeah that that is what I would say about the penalties so you know, we we really have a dilemma right now in F1 that we have not seen for six or seven years. And that dilemma is you're seeing for the first time in the, tar- uh, the turbo hybrid era, you are seeing Mercedes really, really, really being tested. Uh, the pace of that Red Bull vehicle, uh, you know, I've said it several times now. One would not think in the space of seven days, in the space of 
last week because we're at the end of a triple header. You, you know, you expected this is the Red Bull ring. This is a track that has always suited Red Bull. So, you know, it doesn't come as a surprise that the track suited the car. As I said earlier, the surprise is in the fact that they actually seem to have eked out a little more performance in just the space of a week. So the question and, you know, the concern has to be, okay, how does Mercedes now respond? You know, the vehicle is badly needing upgrades. Lewis Hamilton has alluded to it. Valtteri Bottas has alluded to it. Uh, And so we have to anticipate and see. And, you know, one has to think that the next round, which is going to be in two weeks, that is going to be in Silverstone. You know, Mercedes's record as Silverstone is they have won the last eight races that have been held in Silverstone. Now, what a record. That is a 100% record. So Lewis Hamilton, that is going to be his home race. Um, it is going to be very welcome news that the, Silver, the Silverstone's track is actually allowing uh, capacity crowds to be in there. You know, with COVID, we've had a lot of tracks that did not have any fans. We did see in Austria that, you know, there was a tremendous amount of Max Verstappen uh, fans. They're called the Orange Army. They they were lighting up uh, their orange torches all in the air. Um, it was a sight to see. He had tremendous, tremendous support there. Uh, reports are there were I mean, the number of people that were there, there was a large contingent of Max Verstappen fans because that is the home race for the Dutchman. So um, I say that to say Lewis is going to have that type of support, that kind of enthusiasm in Silverstone. And that fast sweeping track has very much suited the Mercedes in the past. I think this is the chance for Mercedes to go ahead and really, really over the next two weeks to dig deep, add some performance parts in this vehicle, uh, give Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri uh, a bit more performance because right now after the Austrian race, Max Verstappen has now increased his gap uh, in the championship to Lewis Hamilton, the the gap now is 32 points. Uh, that's not a small number, guys. That is not a small number at all. So what that means is even if Max Verstappen has a couple of races that are upcoming that he's not even first, he's not even, you know, he's not even finishing as a race winner. But even if he's on the podium um, as a number two, you know, or a number three, um, God forbid, but even, let's say even if he had vehicle issues or a crash and he had a DNF, he didn't finish, you know, he has now built a buffer where even if that was to happen, you know, he still, he still has a buffer and a gap that he's not going to lose ground to lose Hamilton. So, you know, he's, he's, he's an imperious form. He's built up this cushion of points. So, it is time for Hamilton and Mercedes to strike back and, and claw back some of those points so that, you know, they don't get to a point where they get halfway through the season. It reaches a point where 
you know, Max has now built up a gap that cannot even be closed by Hamilton. Uh, you know, I think as race fans, we don't want it to get to that point. But he's certainly in a comfortable position now. So it is up to Mercedes. Like I said, the next race um, is one of the best tracks for them. And we can only hope as F1 fans that, you know, they bolt on some performance in the car and we can see a great race. So that kind of concludes my Austrian Grand Prix uh, review of the race. As always, I do appreciate all the listeners to the podcast. Please continue to subscribe, comment and support. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode, which is going to be the British Grand Prix preview. Thank you so much and take care of yourself. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of T's Formula One podcast. Welcome from wherever you're listening. This is going to be the Austria Grand Prix review. So let's get into it. We had uh, quite a race yesterday. At the Austrian Grand Prix, uh, the result of the of the race was in uh, number one, that was Verstappen in the Red Bull. Number two, we had Valtteri Bottas coming in for Mercedes, and uh, number three, we had Lando Norris for McLaren, rounding up the top three. Uh, we had Lewis Hamilton, um, who came in fourth for Mercedes, which was uh, a good result. And let's get started. Well, the first place, obviously, to start is we had that incredible run with Max where he has three wins in a row now Um, throughout the race. Him and his car, um, the Red Bull car, seemed to be untroubled, unbothered, and with no stress at all. Um, He had a great race from the front. There was uh, an incident on lap four in which he had to restart again because he was already, uh, Verstappen was already starting to pull up a big gap. And uh, after that incident, that was with Ocon's Alpine, who, by the way, we just have to mention at this point, um, ever since he's signed his long-term contract, that is, Ocon with Alpine for three years that was announced right before the French GP. Uh, Ocon has just had, um, you can't say it any other way, a miserable uh, run of luck. He has had an absolutely horrible last three races, uh, which is pretty crazy when you think, you know, you just bagged a long term contract. Your mind now can concentrate on races because you have security now, which a lot of Formula One drivers don't have because they're usually on a yearly contract. And uh, for the first time in his career, Ocon was given a three-year contract. And for some odd reason, after that point, um, he's just had a miserable run. So because he was involved in a crash, there was a safety car. But needless to say, even after the restart, uh, Max and that vehicle uh, have just been really, like I said in the last podcast, in imperious form. So he started building the lead. Uh, There was nobody that can pretty much uh, close in to give him any trouble as far as pace. Such was the Red Bull's pace over this weekend. Uh, The scary part for the competition, especially for Mercedes, is 
when you look at the lap times that Verstappen did in the race, and that is on all tires, so we're including the medium tire, the soft tire, um, they have in some very surprising way, they being Red Bull, have actually found more pace uh, from last week to this week. That's in seven days. Now, in F1 terms, you know, when you have a weak turnaround, that usually is does not allow you to bring new parts to the car or to bring upgrades because that's such a short period of time. Um, you have to think, you know, from the factory, if you get a new part, usually they do that um, when they have a two or three week gap. But um, the vehicle actually seems to have even improved from last week. And, and that's a scary thought for the competition, especially Mercedes. So, that was one of the biggest observations from this weekend. It's not that we didn't expect Red Bull to have Red Bull and Max to have a strong race because they had a very strong race just last week. We're on the same track. We all expected that. I think what's surprising is the fact that they have seemed to somehow improve even on last week's run. Um, the other major observation for this weekend is you have to look at uh, Lando and McLaren. Um, even though he came in third uh, for this race, uh, McLaren's performance and Lando's, as described by Valtteri Bottas after the race uh, during the press conference, they really took everybody by surprise as far as how strong their pace is. Um, I did mention in the last podcast that Lando is basically having the season of his young career, the season of his life. He has been in fantastic form. He's the only driver to score points in every race. But as if that was not enough uh, to see the pace that he had, um, he was troubling the Mercedes. He was pressuring uh, the Red Bull of Perez. And when we say that, we really have to talk about the fight um, that he had with Perez in the early parts of the race, which actually resulted in him getting a five-second penalty. Now, you know, watching the race in most people's eye, they did think that the steward's penalty of five seconds was a little bit too harsh. If you actually watch replays of the actual incident, which I did, um, the more and more you sit with it and think about it, I can definitely see um, the reason why he was given the five-second penalty. Just by the letter of the law from the FIA, uh, there was no space given to Perez's Red Bull. Uh, that would be one side to think about it. But the other side of the coin was, as Lando himself said, you know, when Perez tried to take the corner and he was side by side, you know, Lando was maybe fractionally ahead. And so Perez, instead of making the rational judgment, you know, to wait another corner to give it a go, he jeopardized and, you know, in some people's eyes got greedy and, and went for a space that one can argue wasn't there. And so he went into the gravel. Um, he got pushed off the road. Um, ironically, you know, after trying that move, then Perez did that same maneuver of throwing somebody off the road to Charles Leclerc of Ferrari uh, down down the line in the race. So it was a very weak and um, 
unbecoming race for Perez. Uh, he really uh, basically uh, messed up Red Bull's strategy because very early on he lost quite a bit of positions and was relegated to P8, even P9. Um, as far as penalties, we have to keep in mind that, you know, Perez, there was a total of nine penalties issued in this race. I'll repeat that. There was a total of nine penalties issued in this Austrian Grand Prix. That's a lot. Now, six of them were issued during the race. Three of them were actually issued after the race because there was quite a few drivers that were summoned uh, to the FIA stewards after the race. It was about six or seven drivers, believe it or not. It may have been eight, but um, six or seven drivers that were called to the stewards' office. Um, it's very rare that you would have that many drivers that were involved in some type of infraction um, throughout the race. So, But that, yeah, as I said, that's a total of nine penalties, um, six in the race, three afterwards. Of all those... Perez um, had a you know just a miserable day, and he actually received three of those penalties out of the nine, just three by himself. So that is going to cost him uh, some points on his super license anytime you get a penalty. So uh, Perez did not have a good day. Now speaking of Perez, his counterpart in Mercedes, which is Valtteri Bottas, he was an exact opposite contrast of Perez. Uh, Valtteri Bottas for Mercedes actually had his best race of the season. Um, when he was fighting in the race, you know, there was a point where he was doing better times than Lewis Hamilton in Mercedes. And uh, they were running second and third. Now, uh, Lando Norris from behind from McLaren was actually coming up in a very rapid pace and you can see that Lewis Hamilton's pace was not in the timing sectors as fast as Valtteri Bottas and what the team found out just looking at telemetry um, in you know back in base and um, on their timing screens was that Lewis, Lewis Hamilton actually had some damage uh, on the underbody of that Mercedes and mo more than likely that was caused by running over the rough curbs in turn 10. And so, you know, if you watched F1 for any amount of time, one thing you understand is uh, the Austria Grand Prix is always, always uh, quite a big challenge for these F1 cars because the curbs they have there are very damaging. They are... Um, you know, the size of them is is bigger than, you know, most tracks that F1 cars go, you know, and race. So anytime, you know, they're taking those corners and speed, which these F1 drivers have to do, they have to maximize every inch of the track. Um, sometimes when you take the curbs and when you take the turns, you're going to run wide. And that's exactly what Lewis Hamilton did quite a few times. They actually played a slow-mo of that point in turn 10 when he was riding over the curb. And you can just see basically how sharp those curbs are. Um, what that did was damage the underside, uh, the, the back tray of the aerodynamic uh, setup. And the, the aerodynamic, you know, kind of the metal plates that are back there in the Mercedes. And that was costing uh, Hamilton 
big time. In fact, after the race, the team um, the team responded that timing wise, that damage to the underside aerodynamically was costing Hamilton at least 0.5 seconds a lap. Now, in F1 terms, you know you may listen to 0.5 and think, well, that's not necessarily a big margin, is it? Well. In F1, 0.5 is a very, very considerable uh, time lag. So it was costing Hamilton a lot, and Mercedes had to do some quick thinking because Valtteri Bottas was approaching Hamilton um, in a fast way. So what they did was they they told him to hold station and not race uh, Hamilton uh, just so that they can look at the timing information and screens. As soon as they found out that, you know, Hamilton's pace is not going to be able to be the same as Valtteri's pace because of the damage to the vehicle, they went ahead and, you know, let Valtteri pass Hamilton um, on track so that they do not lose to Lando Norris, who, like I said, it was was closing from the back of those cars. He was approaching like a cruise missile uh, missile that Lando Norris just had incredible pace in that McLaren. So they went ahead and did that switch. And for people watching at home, like I said, for those of us that are watching at that point, we weren't exactly sure what was going on with Lewis Hamilton's car because you can just see that, it. you know, we know how prolific Hamilton is. Um you know, with that Mercedes, but you can kind of tell you weren't exactly sure what the issue was, but you can tell he was hampered. Uh, there was an issue. So um, it was the correct move by Mercedes to make uh, because Valtteri Bottas was able to man- to maintain his second position. And of course, Lando Norris, because of the pace that he had, ended up overtaking Lewis Hamilton to take that third position. And of course, for the constructors, for the constructors battle, um, that was a little bit of a blow to Mercedes because they expected at least to get a second and third. Um, as it was, they ended up just getting second and fourth, which is still damage limitation. Um, they did bring in quite a bit of constructor points, but you just have to tip your cap off to Lando Norris, who's been driving just tremendous and um, his his form is just has been a plus all season long so yep the observations with Lando just Valtteri Bottas finally having a decent race this year this was his best race like I said and so Mercedes did make the right call Um, the other notable thing for those of us that have watched the races and I alluded to this earlier is just the sheer number of penalties uh, that we had in this race. And so, you know, like I said, Perez was at the at the end of getting, you know, three different penalties out of the total of nine. Um, there was quite a few penalties that were issued out to drivers. Um, and most of those are very understandable. The FIA director, uh, Massey, did you know, speak after the race because there was some criticism from different corners of F1 that there was too many penalties and they may have been par- uh, they may have been harsh. And I get that. I get that point of view. I'm sure some of us think that way. My main my main thought process on that is I just want the penalties to be consistent. That's the thing. I we all understand the need for penalties. They are very necessary. I understand when you push somebody 
off the track, off the road, there needs to be precedent set because you certainly don't want unsafe races. But with that being said, um, we just want to make sure from track to excuse me, from track to track and race to race, those penalties are assessed consistently. And I think that is, I, I would, I would venture out and say that is what most of us would like. So, um, yeah, that, that is what I would say about the penalty. So, you know, we, we really have a dilemma right now in F1 that we have not seen for six or seven years. And that dilemma is you're seeing for the first time in the, tar uh, the turbo hybrid era, you are seeing Mercedes really, really, really being tested. Uh, the pace of that Red Bull vehicle, uh, you know, I've said it several times now. One would not think in the space of seven days, in the space of last week, because we're at the end of a triple header. You, you know, you expected this is the Red Bull ring. This is a track that has always suited Red Bull. So, you know, it doesn't come as a surprise that the track suited the car. As I said earlier, the surprise is in the fact that they actually seem to have eked out a little more performance in just the space of a week. So the question and, you know, the concern has to be, okay, how does Mercedes now respond? You know, the vehicle is badly needing upgrades. Lewis Hamilton has alluded to it. Valtteri Bottas has alluded to it. Uh, and so... We have to anticipate and see, and, you know, one has to think that the next round, which is going to be in two weeks, that is going to be in Silverstone, you know, Mercedes's record as Silverstone is they have won the last eight races that have been held in Silverstone. Now, what a record. That is a 100% record. So, Lewis Hamilton, that is going to be his home race. Um, it is going to be very welcome news that the Silver, the Silverstone's track is actually allowing uh, capacity crowds to be in there. You know, with COVID, we've had a lot of tracks that did not have any fans. We did see in Austria that, you know, there was a tremendous amount of Max Verstappen uh, fans. They're called the Orange Army. They... They were lighting up uh, their orange torches all in the air. Um, it was a sight to see. He had tremendous, tremendous support there. Uh, reports are there were, I mean, the number of people that were there, there was a large contingent of Max Verstappen fans because that is the home race for the Dutchman. So um, I say that to say Lewis is going to have that type of support, that kind of enthusiasm in Silverstone and that fast sweeping track has very much suited the Mercedes in the past. I think this is the chance for Mercedes to go ahead and really, really over the next two weeks to dig deep, add some performance parts in this vehicle, uh, give Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri uh, a bit more performance because right now after the Austrian race, Max Verstappen has now increased his gap uh, in the championship to Lewis Hamilton. The, the gap now is 32 points. Uh, that's not a small number, guys. That is not a small number at all. So what that means is 
even if Max Verstappen has a couple of races that are upcoming that he's not even first, he's not even, you know, he's not even finishing as a race winner. But even if he's on the podium um, as a number two, you know, or a number three, um, God forbid, but let's say even if he had vehicle issues or a crash and he had a DNF, he didn't finish, you know, he has now built a buffer where even if that was to happen, you know, he still he still has a buffer and a gap that he's not going to lose ground to lose Hamilton. So, you know, he's 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 in imperious form. He's built up this cushion of points. So it is time for Hamilton and Mercedes to strike back and, and claw back some of those points so that, you know, they don't get to a point where they get halfway through the season. It reaches a point where you know, Max has now built up a gap that cannot even be closed by Hamilton. Uh, you know, uh, I think as race fans, we don't want it to get to that point. But he's certainly in a comfortable position now. So it is up to Mercedes. Like I said, the next race um, is one of the best tracks for them. And we can only hope as F1 fans that, you know, they bolt on some performance in the car and we can see a great race. So... That kind of concludes my Austrian Grand Prix uh, review of the race. As always, I do appreciate all the listeners to the podcast. Please continue to subscribe, comment, and support. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode, which is going to be the British Grand Prix preview. Thank you so much and take care of yourself.